0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The End Credits, the podcast where two brothers discuss their thoughts in a film of their choosing. I'm Dominic. I'm Jonathan. And today we are talking about Wes Anderson's comedy drama film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. So remember when I said that uh, in the last episode that Moonrise Kingdom was my favorite Wes Anderson film? Yes. I lied. Uh, the Grand Budapest oh, has really? now become my favorite film. <laughs> okay, I actually thought you would dislike this film in comparison. Oh, no, no, no. You know, so first impressions going in for me, I had a feeling that it was going to be great, especially after seeing both Fantastic Mr. Fox and Moonrise Kingdom. Kingdom. Um, but man, did it exceed my expectations. I'm like, um, this is the one. So I was kind of like on the fence with uh, oh, Fantastic okay. Mr. Fox and... Uh, Moonrise Kingdom especially Moonrise Kingdom for me I I just didn't really like understand it I guess in like the full depth that I wanted to understand I guess yeah and in this one this one's like okay I can generally say that I enjoyed watching this throughout the full time you know there wasn't like this like uh, maybe dull moment for me for this one was like straight on easy watchable funny and just a I enjoy the time watching it. Mm, yeah, definitely. Completely agree. Yeah, so uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel was directed by Wes Anderson with a release date of March seventh, two 2014. Had a runtime of one hour and 40 minutes, and the genre is a comedy drama. It stars Ray Fiennes, F. Murray Abraham, Matthew Almerich, and Adrian Brody. In the 1930s, the Grand Budapest Hotel is a popular European ski resort presiding over the concierge Gustav H. Zero, a junior lobby boy, becomes Gustav's friend and protege. Gustav prides himself on providing first-class service to the hotel's guests, including satisfying the sexual needs of the many elderly women who stay there. When one of Gustav's lovers dies mysteriously, Gustav finds himself the recipient of a priceless painting and the chief suspect in her murder. You know, I didn't even expect the movie to be almost like a a murder mystery, but it's not quite like a whodunit film, you know? Right, it's kind of like this, uh, I would say it's not really even like a, uh, a focused, uh, murder mystery film Right I would say it's more Of a comedy drama Just like the genre You know CGS Right exactly And uh, It's like It doesn't take That like murder Aspect Too seriously So like it's I would say It's kind of like Silly Everything like Around it Right To be considered like Cause you know You see certain uh, Serious moments Maybe In like other ones But like in this one there is, like, you know, sprinkled here and there. But, like, the majority of the focus is in this, like, comedic style to it. Right. But I, I like that, like, throughout the film, though, it's... um I was a little bit... I was, like I said in the beginning, I was a little bit... Uh, well, first off, I was, I was pretty certain that I was going to like the film. Because I had liked the previous two that we had seen. But I was also a little bit scared that maybe we would see a slight departure of Anderson's style. So I was kind of hoping that we would stay in a similar, um, like it would be like very similar to the first two films that we've seen, but still have some kind of progression that can be seen. And I definitely think that that was the case, but I love how, um, Wes Anderson has like retained like his deadpan style, but like, it's still very like charming, you know? And, um, Again, still very colorful, gorgeous cinematography, of course, and uh, like still very clever and really great Woody dialogue, especially in this movie, um, because, like you said, it focuses heavily on the comedic uh, aspect of the film. I would say, uh, at least, I would argue that it sort of did. You did see a shift in yeah. the style, in in the way of like. Uh storytelling in comparison to the other two because I feel as if in the other ones there was like a lot of multi-layer things going on uh to like take your focus out of different scenarios mm. whereas in this one I feel like it was very much focused in the it was quite linear huh yeah what happened to uh the lady that Gustav had some sort of relationship with yeah and that like departure I saw in the in the film, you could say like uh, story wise, a little bit more like you said linear. You know, mm, yeah. Uh, I kind of liked it just for the fact that it was easier to like understand w- uh, while being with uh, you know his style of directing. You know, yeah. so it kind of like maybe you want to say, oh, did it did it shift in the bad way? You know, but I think the overall. I think you enjoyed the journey that the story told and I I don't think it like harmed anything, uh, to do with like his overall style from before really. Yeah. I I think it, it was certainly more linear, but it didn't, um, it didn't like take a, like, it didn't go down like a completely like new, um, like it didn't go out of left field at all. I feel like it still felt very Wes Anderson and that was good. Like, I'm glad mm-hmm. that like we like we stayed there a little bit more linear, a little easier to follow, um, but still a little bit wild. And it's like, yeah, uh, totally, you know, spectacular way, you know. Yeah, I I gotta say, I thought the film like started in an excellent way. Like, I thought it was, um, I thought it was really good. And um, like, I, I'm specifically talking about like um, like we have that opening bit of like this girl going to this um uh, um like this grave right of some author and like you said like it already immediately starts off in this like um like silly kind of like weird crazy like opening that feels very Wes Anderson ask with uh like some like author talking about the story of the Grand Budapest Hotel which is his story and uh like he gets interrupted by like telling it or whatever by some kid or, or whatever. So it automatically is off to like a very like comedic and weird uh, start. Mm. But um, what I'm specifically talking about is I really love when we get inside of like the Grand Budapest Hotel and we're in uh, their modern day version of it, which is like in the late 60s. It look it seems like 68. Right. Think. And um, I like how. We are told that it's like this dead hotel, basically, and it's like this huge place, and only like a few people, like regulars, go there now. And it really starts off and presents a story of like, was the place always like this? And you quickly learn that it's that it hasn't always been. And we like take, um, like when we get when we presented. Uh, the initial, like, story, it's, like, 1985, and when we go into the uh, hotel, it's 1968, and it's a flashback where the author is talking about his encounter with the owner, Zero uh, Mustafa, I believe it is, and um, I just loved that, like, we knew that the hotel was, like, we, we don't know much about the hotel yet, but we quickly learned that it was... Not always, like, this dead place. Yeah, and it's, like, I think what's memorable about, like, this hearing this person's story is just, like, uh, you got to see, you know, how they lived to before. Like, what memories that they were able to share with somebody else. And you got this sense of, like, awe and, like, man, did this really happen? Did you go on these, like, uh, crazy journey, I want to say, you know, throughout the whole movie. And then, you know, them also telling it to the world through this book that they wrote on it and it's like uh i think you can relate to that with like oh you know i if you look back on something you know that you left you know maybe like for example like uh your high school or whatnot like oh yeah Yeah. i remember those memories in that building or whatnot maybe good or bad but there's some sort of like memory time capsule in there that's like okay that was that journey at that particular moment in time and whether or not it meant, you know, uh, good stuff to me or not at that particular moment in time. Exactly, and um, like with, with that idea too, uh, the author, the young, the young version of the author, even saw zero in the uh, in the in the lobby, and like just like a a building that you have like memories with, or uh, yeah, like a place or whatever, and you like look at it. Like you, there's just this different like mystique about it because you have memories there or you have or you could just feel something out of a building, you know, mm-hmm. and the same way was true about uh, like the young author looking at zero. And like he even mentioned how like he could tell that he had some kind of sad. Um, yeah, like he, had, like he had like he had like a demeanor, like which it was like it felt sad, but he had like some kind of story to tell, which he totally did. I noticed a new presence in our company. A small, elderly man, smartly dressed, with an exceptionally lively, intelligent face, and an immediately perceptible air of sadness. He was, like the rest of us, alone. But also, I must say, he was the first that struck one as being deeply and truly lonely. And I just love how the author has this curiosity about him, right? And even he's trying to talk with the... the um concierge uh of 1968 uh M. Jean, i believe it, i believe it is and he um i love how like his curiosity uh like just sparks this like all these questions and it like sparks our own curiosity about like who is zero and like, what is he doing here? And like, he doesn't come here often, but he comes like at least like three times a year. And for whatever reason, like he's the owner, but yet he's like in this like small little quarters and like the third floor or something. And he doesn't take like the suites or whatever. And it's like, why not? And it, and it gives you like, like the story's immediately there. And you're already curious. And I love being able to ask those questions immediately. Yeah, I was like, it's it's easy to put yourself uh, as the audience, you know, in that character, of the author, you know. Yeah. Because there's, like, seeing all these strange things that aren't, like, typical. Like, okay, uh, there's here's this big hotel, but he only takes one little, you know, corner, basically, for himself. And it's kind of like, oh, this is a little weird. Like you said, piques your curiosity. Um, and I want to say, like, uh, this is kind of, like, where... Uh, you, you remember how we talked about, for Christopher Nolan, talking about him changing the aspect ratios, like doing full oh, yeah, screen right. and widescreen, stuff like that? Here's where it's I feel like it's done right, because Wes Anderson does it where it's a time shift change. Yes. And it's like... I thought I'd be maybe like, oh, is this weird or not? But no, 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 it fits. Okay, we're in this moment because we go kind of like three layers deep, you know, Mm, where, you know, it's the original time was, you know, where this uh, lady was reading this book. Right. And the second time was the author's, uh, like, interpretation of when he was writing it. Yeah. And then it's the actual journey where he, you know, sees the story for the first time. Yeah, in the 1930s. Right. And, uh, oh, no, it's four layers deep, technically, right? Because... Then it goes back to Gustav, and you know, so technically it's four layers deep, not not three. And uh, just seeing those layers uh, continue on, it's like, okay, it makes sense why uh, we have this shift in uh, presentation, you know? Yeah, exactly. I was actually going to mention that with the whole, like, shift between the widescreen and the 4 by 3 as we do see, uh, like, um, do we actually get switched to the aspect ratio in the beginning? Or does it happen later? uh anytime we actually go to the old time the 30s uh, oh really it goes to four by three. Oh, interesting i actually didn't even pick up on it until way later in the film because they oh, have really yeah they have more moments where we get into the four by three aspect ratio i didn't even notice it towards the beginning interesting yeah, the whole time we're in that time period it's four by three. Oh, really wow okay i didn't even i didn't even pick up on that i'll have to look at that again um yeah, I think I think it's cool, like you're saying, that like we go down in these four layers deep and we have the attention focused on, um, not necessarily like the switching to the aspect ratio, right? But like you said, it is definitely done right there. Um, it doesn't feel jarring. It doesn't feel like it's out of place and it makes sense. Um, man, I just love how like we're introduced to like, it's just so colorful and everything. It has like the style um, that you you're like, oh man, it looks so good to look at. It's so, it's so gorgeous. You don't even want to stop looking at it because it looks so nice. Um, but I love how, um, like, even immediately, like, when we get transported into the past of 1930s and Zero is telling the story of the Grand Budapest Hotel and Gustav um, to the young author, I love how, like, when we're immediately introduced in the 1930s, we can immediately sense Like, such character already through the hotel by like Gustav, like walking through the halls, opening the doors, the things that he says to the people he works with. And um, it like gives character to not only the characters, but to the hotel itself. Right. And even like the time period, too, you know, just uh, what was quote unquote acceptable, what was going around, uh, you know, during the world or whatnot. And yeah. uh, I also want to say that. Here's also another different thing that I noticed when it came to, like, a Wes Anderson change, when it came to, like, location-wise. What's that? I felt as if, like, at the beginning that uh, it felt, I guess, like a real-world location rather than, like, a set that was designed to look, like, in this... uh, Oh, like, like, balanced frame? Yeah. Especially, like, in the old... um, the old like showers and stuff like that. Even we did see some moments in four by three when they, uh, go to certain, uh, other places. It's basically any other place besides the actual grand Budapest hotel mm-hmm. in the 1930s version that those locations seemed real besides the grand Budapest hotel. Like, it gave this other sense of like, uh, wonder it was probably oh, just yeah. to like um add to the effect that it was like this mis- like uh, not mysterious but like uh otherworldly place you yeah. know like it, the place you want to be at right right uh, and uh i think i don't know if i would assume you know it was uh intentional because all these other places are like okay uh they look like, you know, people could actually step in, quote-unquote. Right, and, uh, yeah. Like, he had, a, as a director, find these places. But the Grand Budapest Hotel and the 30s, it looked like it was designed later on, you know? Yeah. And, like, and almost, like, specifically for that, uh, like, to set it apart. Right. And uh, it does, like, it does an absolute, like, fantastic job about it. Um, like, even, like, even with... Uh, Like, the use of colors, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so, like, vibrant. And um, uh, it completely set apart from, like, the 60s version of it, where it's, like, kind of, like, dark. Or not, like, not too dark, but, like, it's it's obviously darker. It's a lot more muted. It's with the times. And interestingly enough... Like everyone always thinks about like the 30s and probably earlier as like black and white even though people didn't live that way right. it's it seemed more glamorous yeah really. exactly and uh man it did it completely take a character of its own and uh what a what a perfect way to start um like it's it's quick but like you already get the sense of the the world already it's awesome yeah totally um uh basically I want to like delve into the the relationship of zero and Gustav and oh, yeah. how this, this whole thing started. So, you know, he starts off like, uh, as a lobby boy, zero, he's essentially like our main character. Cause he's the one telling the story in the uh, future, you know? Right. And we, you know, we see what he's going through or whatnot and, uh, how his relationship with Gustav changes throughout the entire, uh, story. Yeah. And, uh, it's like another interesting fact that like, uh, Uh, Wes Anderson tries to like relate the character with people you know because like obviously in this form I think everybody's had like some sort of either uh, mentorship or like oh I'm the new person here and I'm learning from the established person and me like who knows everything right and it's like this mentorship uh, stance and where I think it's easy to like uh, connect with him was like okay what's happening and develop a connection between the characters and the places and What not? And so my life began. Junior lobby boy in training, Grand Budapest Hotel, under the strict command of Monsieur Gustav H. I became his pupil, and he was to be my counselor and guardian. What is a lobby boy? A lobby boy is completely invisible, yet always in sight. A lobby boy remembers what people hate. A lobby boy anticipates the client's needs before the needs are needed. A lobby boy is above all discreet to a fault. Our guests know their deepest secrets, some of which are frankly rather unseemly, will go with us to our graves. So keep your mouth shut, Zero. Yes, sir. Right, and not only that, but um, with that connection, I think it also helps with the fact that both Gustav and Zero have such great chemistry together, and it works really well, and I think that uh, it makes us... Care about the characters a lot more, especially like later on. Um, but since they have like such a good chemistry, um, it leads us to feel more emotion towards the characters. Yeah, and uh, and basically, they through throughout their beginning relationship and getting to know each other, they eventually we get introduced to the uh, whole murder mystery aspect of the film yeah we basically one of uh i guess gustav's clients if you want to say yeah i want to call it that yeah uh, she she even predicts that she's something's gonna happen right like yeah. she doesn't feel good about leaving the grand budapest hotel and tells him but he's like no don't worry why not and, yeah you're gonna be fine right and like days later she ends up dead and yeah. it's like you know what happened you know i was like um, <laughs> you, you kind of feel bad for her because, like, obviously she 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 saw something. You know, coming, she saw something coming, yeah. coming right. And now Gustav has to like you know learn what happened, and uh we basically get to see his relationship with her and uh what the fallout is, and what the fallout is. Like, we meet this like other you know cast of characters oh, who yeah. apparently wants the inheritance of whatever this lady had before, you know, like her, her house or money, anything that belonged to her. Right. And it's being spread up, you know, a bunch of all these people. And we get introduced to like, well, it's her family or an extended family. Right. 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 And we get introduced to like, uh, I believe it's her son, right? Dimitri. Yeah. Yeah. The son, Dimitri and, uh, Willem Dafoe's character. Uh, uh, I think it's, uh, Jopling. Yeah. Jopling. And, oh, this is like, uh, there's a character to uh, them too, as oh, well. Yeah. You know, they're all wearing; they're both wearing like black or whatnot. And even Willem Dafoe, like he looks like all oh, medicine, right? He yeah. has this, like rings on his hand, and it's like, oh man, we we soon get to you know later learn that you know he's uh, a hired assassin, <laughs> basically. And uh, you know, you you see all these other characters and whatnot, and uh, how they shape the uh, whole connection to uh, this lady that has died. Yeah, and uh, it's crazy like how quickly we get into characters, but uh, it doesn't feel like it's too much because we also meet uh, Deputy uh, uh, Kovacs, yeah, the the guy who's basically like the attorney and everything, who's like settling and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, we definitely meet everyone so quickly, but it doesn't feel like we can't distinguish everyone from, you know, the, the crowd. And I love that it's like so easy to understand like, everyone's uh, like place within the uh the death of uh, uh the death of uh the lady who just died mm-hmm. and um yeah man it just like it re- the story really picks up from there yeah it, just like you said like uh you see each other's personality very easily you know especially yeah. even in this first encounter you know where it's, it's it's easy to tell that Dimitri does not like Gustav at all and oh, they no. get into, like, a fight or whatnot. And, Very quickly, too. Yeah, and uh, it's, like, uh, it's just such a, such a, uh, again, like a, a, a spectacle that's happening, you know, like, oh, who who gets what and, uh, no, I deserve this. And, like, oh, no, uh, 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 this is mine or whatnot. And, right. And, basically, we, we get down to... Uh, there's some suspicious thing happening or whatnot mm-hmm. where uh, eventually Gustav is given this boy with apple painting. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it really like uh, comes to the like uh, recognition that it has with this plot really yet. It's kind of like a, a piece to like uh, hide certain elements where basically he's able to get this boy with painting, painting, you know, taken away but he's also given this uh slip or like second will that we never know about and basically until the end yeah and um well i would like to add that like the painting is worth quite a bit it's a priceless painting right uh it's it's it's, it's though it's it's not as like big of a deal to the overall story besides like oh yeah this painting's like worth a lot, a lot. and that's why we know we should covet it i guess you yeah know? and um yeah, with this with with this uh, uh, second will, uh, we don't really see anything along with it. Just as lo- the audience has, uh, the moment where they see it, and that's basically it. Our actual characters throughout the story, yeah. don't uh, see it, but we know it's like okay, uh, keep this in the back of our minds to uh, know later on. Right, exactly. And how did you feel about like that kind of just being tucked away, and then we get into like we get into like the 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 journey the escape plan, really, where both uh Zero and Gustav have to basically like they steal the painting, and now uh the basically the uh the authorities are after them, and they they wanna question them, and basically they gotta escape now because they have the the stolen painting well well actually it's not because of the stolen paintings it's because Gustav is framed for the murder of uh Madame d uh I would say it's like it's um different from Wes Anderson uh style since before I guess because usually I want to say that I no 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 that's not true cuz he has had like stuff in the background that means something else but like we don't really understand it till later before right yeah but I guess like uh, at some points we're just given uh information at at this time and it was kind of different I guess just to get a piece that the uh, actual people don't know before. Uh, yeah, we basically get the piece before they know. And that was kind of different and uh, weird, but oh, it was okay. good to understand, you know, what we're leading towards and how this would help because they're like, okay, what is this? You know, it gave you uh, curiosity again, like uh, where it's supposed to go. Yeah, and uh, it ended up like getting uh, uh, like crazy and everything. But no, I, I understand though, because. Um, it was a little strange that we did get that sense of like oh what is this uh confidential piece of paper that was tucked inside of the uh frame and it almost like left you confused, similar to like fantastic Fox where like we didn't know what uh, mr fox's um what his intentions were when um what was his name when serge put in that like that confidential paper in the uh the frame mm-hmm. of boy with apple it was like um we just didn't really know what it was all about, and we were like okay so what does this all mean but it kind of like moves quickly to the point where we don't really have time to think about it just like uh, Mr. Fantastic Fox where or Fantastic Mr. Fox where we're already like going into phase two and we don't really have time we just gotta be along for the journey and uh, I mean it's fine though yeah I I don't know I don't think it's a bad thing at all I want to say though like uh, this is the start of like the, uh, I guess, relationship of Gustav and Zero. Really, I want to say where right. they, you know they make this like blood pact or whatnot. Yeah. That oh, you know, we're in this together. Whatever happens, you know, it's you and me. Uh-huh. And uh, I want to say like that's like one of the the most charming aspects of the film. I think like the big aspect to get out of it where oh, uh, here's uh, the relationship between us. And how you know we can help each other, and like who is involved as well, like on the outside or whatever. Yeah, and it's like building this. Uh, it's kind of like a network, right? Where yeah. where these people mean this to me, they helped me along this way, and you know, I feel grateful for them, and I hope they are grateful for me and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and I think that's like uh, the 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 cool aspect in, in following the story, because here's this connection. And, you know, it's possible that these connections can, you know, get severed because, you know, this lady has died already. You know, there's one connection that meant something to at least Gustav, right? Yeah. And uh, I guess that's what heightens these characters because, like, okay, you don't want anything to harm them at all, you know? Yeah. And harm does come, you know, their way in the form of, like, uh, in the form of uh, obstacles that uh, come their way throughout their journey. Yeah, um, I would also want to mention, too, that I feel like the film introduces, like, its own fictional versions of, um, World War One and World War Two, and, uh, it's pretty interesting because I felt like Wes Anderson hasn't really embedded much history pieces, at least within Fantastic Mr. Fox and Moonrise, and, like, this one, uh, like, kind of utilizes that, and, um, which makes sense understandably so because we're being set like in the 1930s and everything and it does progress throughout throughout and it was just interesting to see that was like a new addition to uh something that he hasn't quite done before i'm kind of surprised that they even like uh implemented uh any of that stuff really because like uh it doesn't have too much of an effect of the actual world i don't think really you know like it has this like uh, comedic moment within their train car but does it affect anything else set in the world i don't know but like maybe it's like okay uh no that's not true in in actuality because they their hotel does get taken over right eventually yeah. So I I guess no 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 I'm wrong. It does have some sort of effect, but maybe not to like the effect that like other films might heighten. You know, like uh, sure, it's like this like afterthought that oh there's this soldier's like after me. You know, but it could have been replaced by any sort of like cop. I guess you know. Yeah, but I would also say that I feel like it does it in a way where. Obviously it's not the main focus mm-hmm. and it's not the main intention to focus on that, but it's good that it at least brings it in a like an awareness bit. probably. Yeah, yeah, like basically like it's starting to happen and it's starting to become a problem. Mm-hmm. And uh it was just kind of uh not yeah, I wouldn't consider the Grand Budapest Hotel like a period piece by any means, but at least it it holds that integrity of like You know, we're in the 1930s, so it's understandably going to, you know, implement something from the world wars. Yeah, okay. That that makes a lot more sense. Um, I uh, like, uh, uh, eventually I want to talk about like the whole grand escape from uh, prison, right? It's like, uh, I feel like you hear stories all the time like, okay, how do people escape from prisons? And you know, they make these uh, you know, holes underground with these small tools, and it's kind of like they literally did that in here. You know, it's yeah. kind of like a like a, a joke scenario. It's like, how are they going to dig this whole elaborate plan that they go through with these little tiny tools? <laughs> you know, that they get through zero. You know, another relationship. Yeah, and then eventually, like uh, with uh, was it what was the 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 cake pastries Mandels was it? Yeah, I think it was Mendel's. Mendel's or what? Men- Mendel's. Mm-hmm. Mendel's, yeah, yeah, there you go. It's like, oh, yeah, it's getting like, uh, it's going to get through the guards, you know, because they, th- they think it's something else, you know. You hear those sorts of, and that's actually a real thing, though, like uh, to hide stuff within different, you know, like. Items. Yeah, like, items that like people food. think that, we <laughs> you know, it won't be in or whatnot. So that's, yeah. a, that's a real thing, right? But, like, I don't know about, like, uh, you know, who knows, you know, right? Because i never been there, and you know we never you know actually lived through that but like you know uh, i i do assume that was like a joke that you know it's like these tiny tiny little pieces but you know you gotta do what you gotta do (laughs) yeah because i mean gustav got in a really bad like situation where he was uh you know like he was framed for the the murder of madame d and uh basically like sent to prison because of that and uh yeah, that whole like uh, prison escape scene was pretty cool, though. And again, like still like highly stylized yeah. uh, for Wes Anderson, but like very entertaining as well. And uh, like puts it at a, uh, I don't know, like it like, not not to say like it glamorizes like the prison breakouts or anything like that, because I don't know if there's really anything glamorous about it. But uh, uh, and I guess in Wes Anderson's like style, like it makes it seem uh, mm-hmm. that way in a, in a weird way. Um, but like, again, like you said, it it still introduces the character connections because Zero is helping Gustav. And then we also introduce and add a new character, Agatha, which is Zero's girlfriend. And she's like in the mix and everything. And, uh, you know, also like another relationship between the characters. And, um, even like when she starts to get involved, which you can clearly tell that she's not, like, as willing as, uh, Zero and Gustav to get, like, their hands dirty, um, but, like, she does get, like, involved in the mix, and it quickly brings you, like, it, it makes you feel, um, like, you also don't want anything bad to happen to Agatha, just like the other characters. Right, because, like, in another scene, you know, something does happen to a character, they're, uh, the, the, uh the lawyer one what was this? oh yeah yeah kovacs yeah kovacs and uh willem dafoe goes out there (laughs) you know we see this whole museum scene you know where it's like again another like glamorous implementation of this whole death scene you know where they go through these museum pieces you know this artistic you know stylized uh places you know that oh it's kind of like It's a cool sort of mini showdown, you know. You know what it reminded me of? Hmm. It totally reminded me of like like a Hitchcock experience. Like it totally felt Alfred Hitchcock, in my opinion. Really? Yeah, I definitely got those vibes, especially like the moment when um, uh, Kovacs is like going through, um, like it goes through like the uh, like a like a whole row of columns or like columns of uh, statues. And it's just like hidden in like a darkness, but you have like light on just the statues, and he like walks through it, um, like right before he he gets like his fingers sliced, um, which was like oh man, that was crazy. But uh, like, but that whole like moment felt very much like a, a like a Hitchcock like like straight out of a Hitchcock film, in my opinion, and it was done well. I could actually see the similarities with like uh, I want to say Psycho, which is actually yeah. kind of kind of interesting, like. Uh, How you know the whole first, it was the first death. No, 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 it was technically second death where uh, that guy goes into the house, you know, and uh, oh, right, goes to see the the mother or whatnot. Mm. That whole uh, stairs scene, you know, yeah, in psycho, I could see that like being actually uh, uh. Somewhat you can see some parallels, maybe. Maybe if you, I'm thinking yeah, in my totally. head right now, I'm like, oh, okay, I can see like there's these like close ups, like exaggerated close ups that happen. Oh, yeah, and these like uh, quick things, like out of nowhere, mm. that kind of like uh, ends the whole uh, confrontation. And it's like, right, okay, I can see, I can see it now. Uh, I didn't think about that when I was originally uh, watching it, thinking Alfred Hitchcock, but I can totally see some sort of influence there now. Yeah, like, it was definitely, like, an incredible scene because, like, you you definitely felt the suspense. Uh, like, yeah, especially with the music, too. Even the music was, like, with timed with everything mm-hmm. as well and it was very good. Even, like, the special touch of uh, him taking off his, his shoes <laughs> yeah. or boots or whatnot. I was, like, was, yeah. I was, kind of, I was like, oh, okay. And yep. even, like, he didn't even think to put him back on afterwards when he was, like, walking. And he just, like, walked away in the snow yeah. with, his, with his boots just in his hands. And it was such, like, a... I don't know like like again i don't know how wes anderson does it but he manages to create images he created so many great images in this film and i mentioned it before like in uh in moonrise kingdom it's like you just want to have it like stopped and like just have a photo of it and like uh, oh man it's so good So yeah, after this like whole murder scenario, even like the prison break, by this point we you know we we do uh, know that Dmitri is the overall villain. You know, he wants his his mother's inheritance all for himself. But uh, there's like one more hurdle that we have to like uh, go past before we we get back to the Budapest hotel, and that's the uh, what is the secret uh, hidden will or whatnot, hmm. and uh, they have to like go out to like this whole snow mountaintop area you know all yeah. in secret like this they had to maneuver throughout these like hidden doors or whatnot and like it's funny you know just seeing you know okay are you this person are you this person are you you know and oh, yeah. by the end it's like hurry up just like him uh or just like the audience you know at this point we're like okay just get on with it and uh, it's cool that the, even the character of Gustav is like, okay, just get on with it. Yes, I'm this, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I have I Gustav or whatnot, and you know, I'm just trying to meet this guy that's you know in hiding for like this whole movie. You know, just get on with it. And yeah, I like how they like brought attention to that because it's like yeah, it's hilarious. It's like yeah, it's a, a good comedy bit. It's like okay, yeah, we are, we're all in. We're all you know uh, invested. You don't need to continue. You know these this uh, this rope. You know, just let's just. Uh, get to the finish line or whatnot yeah uh you know we we eventually do have this like uh uh, like conversation between Serge and Gustav yeah and uh what's funny about that too is kind of like uh they expect that they each know a little bit more than they do but they don't continue their conversation at all it's kind of like it's such a weird a weird uh conversation between the two of them Yeah, so for me, uh, going back to when we talked about the aspect ratio changing, I think this was the first time when I uh, noticed that the...
1: uh, It's uh, 4x3? Yeah, that it went to 4x3 aspect ratio.
0: And I thought it was actually really clever because we went into like the... I don't know what it's called, like that confession box or whatever. Um, And when he goes inside, I thought that was really clever that we would switch because it got closer and we're in a smaller enclosed space and we only have like basically Serge's face. Uh, to see mm-hmm. And I was like Okay that's really good Because it didn't feel Jarring at all Because we're more In an enclosed space And the 4 by 3 aspect ratio uh, Helps out with that Very much so So I was like Oh man it's so good Right, That's the way to do it And I was like I don't think Wes Anderson has even had Those kind of Aspect ratio changes Within his films uh, Well within Fantastic And Moonrise Kingdom uh, prior th- That being prior To the Grand Budapest Hotel So I was like interesting that's probably something new that he was thinking about trying so does that actually change uh, your perspective on it because like obviously that wasn't the case you know it was just this whole time period uh and not the whole uh going in closed you know into this uh what were they in like this? They're the, Like the confession box. I don't know what it's right, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so does that change like your thought process to the 4 by 3 aspect ratio at all or no? Not really. It probably helps it all the more because since I didn't even notice it, uh, I think – and the fact that obviously it's there due to it being like in the 1930s, I think it helps even – like it's even better because I didn't even pick up on it. But at least it still has a reason for it being there. Okay, yeah. So – yeah just just like other other Wes Anderson films that we've seen like they do kind of get like a little wacky and like maybe not in the reality of like that we are right especially you know when they had to escape this whole place which I don't know how uh Willem Dafoe's character got over there made no sense oh yeah the the, skiing yeah this whole skiing moment you know it's like I, I I I think with the other films, I wasn't like ready to like buy into this like whole uh, spectacle, this whole you know over dramatic uh, scenes, you know, yeah. like especially like in Moonrise, like like why get shocked by lightning or whatnot. Oh yeah, by the lightning bolt. But in this one, like I, I bought into it all, you know, like it didn't matter if it was like oh, there's no way they're gonna make this jump and they do, you know, yeah. it was like what happened? Like I wasn't think that at all. I think just because how. All the other elements yeah. were there, and like how we got through this journey, it kind of felt like a part of their character and it wasn't like out of the normal. Yeah. So I think I, by this point, I was like, oh, yeah, let's just go, you know, like, uh, let's get out of here. And I didn't really like, think about, like, okay, uh, does this make sense? Is, you know, can I survive this sort of jump, you know, yeah. whatnot? And uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, this scene is like a really cool uh, scene that. It's you know over. It's comedic, but about by the end it gets like very serious uh, too. Psychopath. Let's stop. I can't. I can barely steer. Yeah, comedic and over the top. But again, like you mentioned, it's still it's still Anderson style. But I love how you said that. Like it it works with this film because we've already established like the characters and their qualities. So it felt like it just another extension. From like the silliness, the comedic, the over the top dramatic, and it worked. And he didn't even question it. But I thought what was really great was the fact that not only did we have like that, you know, the standard like silly scenes of uh, Wes Anderson uh, that he provides, but he also had a really great thing that we've seen in previous films. He included the uh stop motion animation in these scenes. And it was so good because oh, I was yeah. like, I didn't even think we were actually going to be able to see that within this film because it was uh, you know, live action and being able to see like implementations of like the ski carts and even like the ski scene moments in there there and then their their jump. Um it was really awesome to be able to see like a mixture of both animation slash stop motion with live action even like that elevator car at the grand budapest hotel um that goes up to the actual hotel itself even that was animation and i was like i just really love that he doesn't now wes anderson doesn't like veer off uh like too far from like his own style what's great even like even more great to that is that it's seamless you know yeah like you you don't really even think about all oh, this is like a change and like a shift in the presentation it just all fits because of this uh i guess this style that just you know you come maybe accustomed to you right. know since we've been watching uh, uh him for the the series at least and i appreciate that he did those things because i'm just like it's, it's such a recognizable thing from his films and uh i was glad to see it in this one i think soon after uh uh, you know they they get over the obstacle of uh, jopling, uh, which is kind of savvy because he didn't want Willem Dafoe to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were just like, oh man, he did like such a good role, and uh, oh man, so good. Um, but we do finally get back to the Grand Budapest, yeah, and only to see that now it is taken over by um, it is taken over by the uh, the fictional version of Nazis, I believe. If we were to yeah i think so call it that um i don't even know what they were referred to as in the grand budapest hotel yeah i don't i don't know either but they clearly had this like demeanor of feeling that way and basically like taking over the place and um gustav and zero like uh noticed like you know like oh maybe we're never gonna come back here and uh I, i also need to mention too um Not only are we, like, in this serious moment, but it gets kind of, like, broken down by, like... And this is a recurring moment thing, like, a recurring, like, motif from uh, Gustav. And those, like, serious moments, it's, like, broken by, like, uh, some weird, like, poetry that just gets, like... uh, Like, he just kind of spews out in the moments. And it always, like, gets broken that way. And in this moment in particular, it does too. Um, But they're waiting on... I, I it, like we get the sense of suspense again as we're waiting for Agatha to grab um boy with Apple, boy with Apple and Dimitri's uh, present. And basically, like he sees her and everything. and now it's like another yet another chase. And oh man, again, another really solid moment between uh, like two characters and like this ever growing suspense that's so well done again, that I don't think I've seen from Wes Anderson before this film. And specifically the elevator moment where she has Boy With Apple oh, yeah, yeah. and Dimitri's in there with her. And obviously the bellboy's like, you know, uh, operating the elevator. And uh it's so intense because it's just Deb 3 and she's holding the painting and like he rips it open and he discovers that it's Boy With Apple and he's like, uh, like, oh, nice picture. And basically just... Once they enter like sixth floor, I believe it is. Uh, he like he doesn't even try like running after. Her. He's just like walking because he's so sure that he's gonna uh, like catch her. And it's such like a suspenseful moment. I want to say it's like uh, I, it's the only reason why we added. I want to say this this suspenseful idea to those scenes is because like earlier he set up the fact that uh, Zero was like uh, crying over agatha and like uh what ha- what happened to her like we didn't know what happened to her right but the fact that he didn't want to like bring her up really when he was telling the story originally i think that added like the suspense like as oh, so the audience didn't know it was like oh what happened to her did she die or whatnot right and we thought maybe she could or whatnot during those moments and uh I think that's what like added this whole thing because we were like waiting and waiting, like okay, what's what going to happen? What's going to happen? Because he, you know he had this emotional response, right? And I want to say like another film we we watched had the same scenario too. I can't think of it right now. Where like because we knew the end or where we we're supposed to go, it, it it added this like whole moment, like oh man, what's going to happen? Yeah, or something's going to happen, man. I don't remember what film it is. I'll have oh. to look back after this and see what happened. Interesting. But like, it's good that you brought that up because we even had like a scare before that where we were under the impression that Agatha had been killed mm-hmm. by Jopling and it turned out to only be Serge's sister. Um, but we that like like you said, it was very effective in that suspense was being like drawn from that idea of what is going to happen to Agatha because we already knew from the events of 1968 while zero is telling the story to the young author that something had happened to Agatha because he had because he was crying about it like as an emotional response Um, but yeah it's definitely like a moment as we return to the 30s where uh, like we have that ever suspenseful moment when Dimitri's like right there after her And then she ends up, like, running down a hallway. Then he finally ends up, starts to run. And again, like, in that serious moment, we always have some kind of comedic, over-the-top moment to follow. With this, like, whole shootout, right? (laughs) It's like, what happened here? (laughs) Like, basically, there's just the shootout at, like, the sixth floor of the Budapest Hotel. And uh, it's just, like, nuts. Like, people are just, like, shooting all over the place. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, like, they don't even know why they're shooting until, like, okay... They had to, like, all stop and talk about it, you know? I was like, well, what what happened here? Like, Edward Norton's character just comes up, and he's like, okay, who's shooting who? And and then he's like, all right, you're all under arrest. (laughs) Forget about it. Oh, man. And uh, basically, like, by that time, you know, we we eventually get to, like, the whole window scenario where Agatha and Bozeguro, you know, fall off uh, a window and, like, are hanging there just to get the boy with painting uh, but with, with apple painting and uh uh eventually you know they do learn that oh there was something in the back of it right and i want to say like uh even i think when you brought it up too when we were watching that it was kind of like sudden that okay everybody just uh sit around a table figuring out what, what was this hidden will now right, oh, right yeah and it kind of just like ended you know i kind of like out of nowhere like i don't know if it's like a, a good or bad thing but it was kind of like sudden, just like how like it began, you know, like a, a sudden. Yeah. we're here and then now we're done. Now, now it ends. Right? Did like for me, I felt like uh, although like it would just kind of, it just kind of abruptly happened. And see, I feel like with any other kind of film, especially if it weren't Wes Anderson, that kind of um, like presentation of showing all of the characters, good and bad, like who were like with and or like not, or like completely against each other, mm-hmm. it it would have been strange to see that image because they were all going to look at the second confidential will, and then basically everything broke down and then it all ended. But I think with a Wes Anderson film, it worked because it's not really about okay the reality of this actually happening. Like, come on, it's not going to happen. But since it's so like highly stylized, and everyone wanted to just know what the second will was it was almost like okay i'm okay with it and i'm long for the ride still um it did kind of like happen just kind of like suddenly though not that it was bad because i think really what made up for it was the fact that we really just wanted to know what happened to everyone after we had known what the second will was granting everybody yeah i think i think because of there was this after part you know what yeah we're like uh how like an we, aftermath yeah this aftermath on where what happened to our characters and where they're going and you know, just what their lives are now and like kind of like a a breath of fresh air i think I, at this point like i don't think it harmed it you know that sudden thing that it, like i think uh they the that like companionship especially between uh, gustav and zero again you know coming back and like okay we well, you know we got through this and uh Hopefully, you know we'll get through the next one or whatever it comes out, and we do get like a, a funny comedic thing where it's kind of like uh, mirroring what happened earlier to them in the train car, you know. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's like all oh, it happened all over again, or something like that, like like a whole full circle cycle journey, right? And I think that like added to like okay, at least we know they're gonna be okay for now, you know? Right. But. Until we then you know get back into like the original original, uh, or not the original technically the other layers because you know yeah and next in the next sixty eight version yeah and uh, I don't know also with that you know uh, going you know revolving back into those uh, storytelling moments with like you know the author I think it even gave another sense of like okay how I guess his whole overall expression on how he received the story mm-hmm. it added. As well to the audience, at least me watching it, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, breathtaking. This is a, a life here, you know? Like, yeah, it's like an epic story. Right, that somebody lived, and I was, like, fortunate enough to uh, be able to learn and possibly see what they saw, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like like this idea that, you know, we never see other people's lives, really, you know, but they had a life that was worth telling, you know, yeah, and it's kind of like it's kind of like a sad, but you know that's just kind of how it is. This actually reminded me a lot of when we were watching um, uh, Moonrise. It reminded me of that feeling of the uh, the different orchestra um, um, instruments and what makes up those those uh, like pieces and um basically bringing it back all together and towards the end and it felt very similar with like with zero and like we have his whole story and we have those pieces and he's telling the young author about it and now we're left with the full story and i love how you said that like it is kind of important to understand or to like see the reaction that the young author is getting towards it because he clearly is like oh man there's like way much more to this than I realized. And now like how do I handle it? I'm gonna I'm gonna go sit in the lobby for a little bit and just think. Right. And I love that because like that's kinda like the same feeling that I had when I was watching the film and feeling the whole uh story play out. And um it's it like it, it gives you like chills because not only do we like have this full overarching uh like circling back to the um, kind of the beginning of the story, like we we not only learned about like uh like Gustav's fate, we also learned about like Agatha and everything. so that that was like a nice like closure, uh, which was sad, but like it was a nice closure. Mm-hmm. um And even to the point of like seeing that uh, you know, Zero ended up getting the Grand Budapest Hotel in his name. And even further, Like, seeing that, like, that main, like, desk area, the boy with Apple painting is, like, right there in the middle of the frame the entire time. Yeah, exactly. And it was, like, wow. Uh, It it, it gave you this once-dead hotel that seemed like it was, like, meaningless and didn't really have anything going for it now. You just realize how much character and what kind of stories were here at one point and what had happened here at one once. It was like, man, it all, it made you feel sad about it, and even like I thought back to that, uh, the quote that the young author had said about like, you know, this sad like presence that was coming from zero on the very beginning when he saw him sitting in the chair, and then this general curiosity that he had towards like the reasoning why he would be in this lonely small corners of the uh, like the third floor or whatever, and it all makes sense now. You know, it all made sense to why he was there and everything. I kind of don't want to explain like what that is because I think like obviously with our podcast, we are under the assumption that you have seen this film already. But if you haven't, I really don't want to spoil it. I really don't because uh, it's such a, it's such a moment that you really have to take in for yourself and it really all comes together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's 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 uh it's a beautiful moment i would say by the end of the film yeah i would i would completely agree you're you look at it and you're like oh man like again it was so clever and you're like oh man what a moment and it's and it's uh it reminds me a lot of the moment when i talked about in moonrise how like we just didn't want to feel we didn't want this like story to end because like you feel this sense of nostalgia and like companionship and like uh, like camaraderie with everything, and it's like, man, what a uh, way to end it. Yeah, I would, I would say that. Uh, I want, I want to say this one did it better than Moonrise, personally. I would agree, be- just because I don't know. I, I feel as if I don't know. Maybe how to do with you know kids and versus adults or whatnot journey. Maybe it was just uh, how glamorous the hotel was and what have revolved around that versus like this whole camping nature wise. Sure maybe had to do with just the time period stylization i don't know what it was but i felt like i had some sort of other connection with grand budapest hotel over moonrise Mm -hmm. and i would say that if like this one's the one to watch at the moment yeah definitely no i completely i completely understand i would probably say that maybe it's just because like this film is much more stylized than moonrise kingdom in my opinion it it like it is more over the top. It focuses more on those comedic aspects than I think moonrise does. So I just think with the nature of this film, it, uh, oddly enough, with the nature of this film being like comedic and over dramatic, you would think that it wouldn't work, you know? Right. But it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It does a bit better. I don't know why. Like, uh, again, maybe uh, we don't know. Maybe it had to do with the the whole storyline being, uh, a little bit more linear in comparison, hmm. you know, maybe it was actors, you know, that played a part in it too, you know, uh, that's true. We know, we'll never know, but, uh, at this moment in time, I think, you know, you, you and me can say that, uh, we overall like this film, uh, probably the best oh, yeah. uh, one so far. You yeah. Know? yeah. Just like Moonrise, I'm so definitely after, after oh, we're yeah. done recording, <laughs> I am going to buy the Grand Budapest Hotel yeah. because man, what a film. I, I, once I had felt that ending, I was like, man, I have got to own this film. This is going to be part of my collection. So good. Yeah, it's a good watch. Yeah, wonderful film. So there we have it. Wes Anderson's comedy drama film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. We hope you enjoyed listening and watching this episode. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of The End Credits. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The End Credits Podcast, and over on Twitter at The End Credits. If you're watching the video version, make sure to subscribe to the End Credits YouTube channel. That's it. Thank you, and goodbye. It was an enchanting old ruin. But I never managed to see it again.